Auto Tech Show, a podcast dedicated to the evolution of technology and modern day solutions in the automotive industry. Join our host, Mark Babin, as he speaks with the industry leading professionals from around the world on the constantly changing topics of the automotive industry. Each episode has the ability to provide new ideas that you won't want to miss. From upcoming technology to some of the most recent automotive advances. And now for our host, Mark Babin. Yes, hello everyone, and welcome back to another great episode of the Auto Tech Show. My name is Mark Babin, your host. It's great to have all of you with me for what is going to be a really fascinating talk and one that dives into a topic we all know plenty about, but maybe not as much as we should. Of course, data, it's something we have an abundance of, but as technology advances in data collection, the volume of data is only set to rise exponentially in the coming years. But once that data is collected, what are you doing with it? And how are you extracting the full potential of every single byte of information? That's what we're talking about today. It's a really fascinating talk. And we are welcoming Ralph Etchler, the Data Liberation Officer at Datafloss. They're a Startup of the Year nominee, and they're working with customers to help bring them a better understanding of how to utilize that data flow and help make strategic decisions. So let's dive into this episode with Ralph, and I'll see you on the other side for a quick breakdown and recap. Enjoy. Hey, Ralph, great to have you. Thank you so much for being here. And first, congratulations on the nominees for uh, the Startup of the Year Award here at Auto Summit. So congratulations on that. But really looking forward to your insights today on a very topical topic. Amazing. Thank you very much, Mark, for having me. And uh, thank you, everyone, for, for listening in. I'm very much looking forward to share some of my experience and uh, some of the background on how can you utilize data, how can you bring it to action, as well as how to get there. Yeah, I think that's the big thing, is, is understanding the importance of it and then utilizing it accordingly. So that's, of course, what we want to accomplish. So on that point, let's jump straight into the deep end of the conversation. Now, I read in a recent Salesforce report, they did a survey of 10,000 business leaders, uh, a really fascinating report. One of the stats that stood out to me was uh, there was a stat that said 80% of these business leaders understand that data is important to know, but 41% of them don't know how to deal with it. So they know it's important, but they don't know how to deal with it. That's a big thing when we're talking about business leaders in the world. So this is a world you live in. Can you under, can you explain just how important understanding and utilizing data is, especially today? Well, the fast answer is absolutely essential. Um, and a little bit on the on the longer side, in particular, I mean, we've come across that statistic as well. Uh, and it's quite frightening, right? I mean, yes. if it's 100 pieces of information that flow through that entire cycle, 41 out of them can't be used, even if it's a viable instance. Gap. And then on the other side, you have, that even gets... Uh, that gap uh, becomes even bigger when you understand that 80% of the data is not even addressed at all mm-hmm. to begin with. So we are talking about a very little fraction. But coming back much more to your question on how important it is. So data placed or the data itself creates an insight and the insight is supposed to create better decisions yep. for decision makers, be it either in the marketing department in the operational department, information that flows back from the R&D vehicles that are out there on the market to improve your R&D and your manufacturing processes. So what we typically see is that data-driven organizations are by somewhat 23% 
much more likely to acquire customers than their less data-informed oh, wow. uh, peers. So That's say. a big number. Yeah. And uh, so, again, that plays a role in nearly every activity that an organization does, and it ultimately plays out also into the competitiveness of an organization and mm -hmm. into the viability. Yeah, it has to. So, getting into the details of this a bit more, do you have any specific examples that you can share where you've seen and maybe people you've worked with or you've seen them go from not using their data to using it and the difference that made? Do you have any specific examples? Absolutely. I think the key element, if you talk about the data journey, then and we'll talk about the infrastructural side and the mm -hmm. tangible execution a little yeah. bit later on, yeah. uh, but the entire journey starts with asking the right question. Okay. Because a decision maker that wants to make a data-driven decision needs to understand, to ask different uh, questions differently. So the MIT, for example, is talking about algorithmic business thinking in this context. Okay. And this is exactly a skill set that needs to evolve and be developed as well, because only then you can ask the question. Mm -hmm. And one specific example that I can give, we started working with a sales director of a car subscription organization. Okay. And basically, when we asked him, what is the biggest data challenge that you have at your hands? The answer was a good one, first of all. Uh, but the answer was, oh, we have so many lost leads accumulated over the cycle of our organization okay. that we do not know anything about. Can we use data to fix that? So if you imagine now a data analyst going back to his desk and trying to fix that, they probably will come back with a cohort analysis, with a gender split, with a seasonality, with the regional split information. But that information might be viable, it might be correct, because it's coming out of the, an existing data set, but what decision can I make out of this? So again, the sales manager would have needed to say, now I need to understand the information again and form myself an own opinion. So first of all, we started then working with the sales director in trying to find out what is the true question that you want to address. What's your business problem? Good first step. And basically the thesis that came out of it afterwards was, we have a bunch of lost leads and I believe there's clients in there that have a higher potential than others to convert if they if we reach out to them with a second call. Can we use data to identify them? Yeah. And now all of a sudden you have a very crisp and very clear use case, we call that data use case or data user journey. And basically what we were then able to do, we looked at the winning elements, so who was converting immediately, what kind of attributes had they, which marketing campaign did they come from, which region, what kind of vehicle were they looking for. And then we could start correlate that to the entire group of the lost leads and identify those that have a higher probability to wow. convert faster than the others. And then the next step is then the execution and yeah. decision making out of that. Yeah, but just understanding that more is a process that didn't even exist, but data created that process. Correct, yes. And that's, I guess, the secret. To certainly, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's, but again, it starts with the question, and then data can be used to address those questions. And then, typically, if you talk about the outcomes, then sometimes you create flowcharts, you create insightful visualizations, but sometimes you don't want to look at now these clusters of, okay, what's the name of the person? What you really want is a ranking system that is then fed back into your CRM and enables then the sales administrator to start sorting the leads and prioritize their calling list. So there's also different use cases behind that. That's a great example. I love it because it really affects the bottom line and it affects the pipeline. for. Exactly. And every company will have this problem. Every company will have a lead process and, and they're losing leads and are they collecting the data that's there the data is there yeah. but they're not using it 
correct. That's probably more common than I would imagine people would yes. think as well. I think there's, um, if, if we talk about data usage, there's two things. We have a 30% year-over-year growth of data volume in, across the average organization wow. on the planet. And that's quite a significant amount. So if you're not yet data ready, your problem will become bigger and bigger over the years. And then the second element that plays into that is that we also all have a tendency to use different tools for different tasks. There's a CRM system, there's dealer management systems, there's a manufacturing system, financial system. Then we ping into social media, uh, we get Google advertisements, information back. But all of those information pieces typically reside in silos. Okay. And then the manual task begins. Now I need to connect this one to this mm -hmm. one. I do a draft. I pull out CSV files. I try to make sense out of those. So there's two things. First of all, you want to create an environment in which you can store the data properly. Mm -hmm. But then you want to break out those silos to create an analytical layer in which you truly have the authority over your data and full access. And this is when you then can start correlating, connecting, enriching it with external information, such as weather patterns, for example. Mm -hmm and create valuable insights that lead to action. And that's the secret, is creating action out of the insights. Yes. So I think, obviously, just to touch on this point again, on the importance of it, the risk of not doing anything is much greater than the risk of yes. doing something poorly or not optimized. So yes. it's of all important right now to, to do it, no matter what, because the risk of not doing it, you're gonna be left behind, you're not gonna be extracting anything. If it's growing 30% year over year, I mean, that's immense. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's two recommendations that we always can give at, the, at that point of time. First of all, data that you collect today can be used for analysis tomorrow or even the day after. But data that you do not collect cannot be used. Yeah. I mean, it's quite obvious. But first thing is collect, 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 even if you don't have a use case for it at, the, at that very moment. And the second element is it's an iterational process. So typically this is referred to the data journey and it truly is a journey. At the very beginning, you're standing right in front of a mountain. You don't see anything. It's dark. It's you're in the shadows. Yeah. And then you start way, making your way up to the, to the mountain or to the summit. Yeah. Um, and on that, particular, on that journey, you start with the marketing department, you start with the sales department, or you start with the production or manufacturing, whatever the most use case is. But I always recommend to start with one element first to create the flow or the value chain of the data flowing okay. through your organization. And that gives you confidence. That gives you confidence in the results, in the data itself, in the, it starts training you using that data to make better decisions. And then once you get more acquainted, then you start adding more and more topics and become more complex over time. Yeah, I could imagine it's quite an intimidating process for, I mean, you get a mountain of information that's growing continuously and you've addressed the right steps, asked the right questions. I think that's an important first step. Um, really learn what you want to do with the information. Is the automotive industry, do you find anything unique about that? And, and for operators in the industry, is there something that they should particularly pay attention to in those first steps? Yeah, it's actually getting on the road or getting on that journey. Okay. Um, taking that, like agreeing that, to go on it. Yeah, taking that first step. Okay. So, because over the years, what we also encounter quite a lot in the, so there's startups and scale-ups. They are typically don't have that many data points yet mm -hmm. and not that many legacy systems. If you look into the mid-sized German Mittelstand organization, they are typically since a couple of years on the market. And yes, of course, they have heavy systems. They are all not cross-connected. 
And so the hurdle over time becomes higher and higher and higher to get started because at one point of time you don't see uh, anymore how you can get started. So in particular in the automotive industry, and I would even go one step further, in particular in Germany, there's a tendency to not get started okay. and to be afraid of the potential outcome, but also a tendency to over-plan everything. Yep. Looking in a five-year cycle, what is my data strategy? How far do I need to reach? What's the overall impact? And that sometimes prevents organizations from getting into those first steps. Mm -hmm. And over time, that hurdle becomes bigger and bigger. Uh, yeah. And so we spend quite a lot of time actually educating clients or educating organizations on still yet you haven't done anything, start small and it will evolve over time. But to get people started is, is quite a big step. To give them the confidence to do it. Yes. Because yes. they're afraid. It's almost they're looking at the mountain, not thinking of the first step. Exactly. Or trying to envision what the view from the peak will look like. Ah, okay. Interesting. Right? Yep. So they go too, too far or even think about the next mountain they want to tackle. And then they are planning and planning and planning. And then we still, as we discussed earlier, 30% year-over-year yeah. uh, -year growth of data volume. And that makes it just more complicated. Do you find, and you mentioned obviously the German market and the DAC region possibly over planning, do you find geographical differences depending on who you're working with and how they approach this data management yes. or, or everything? Yes, absolutely. Um, and there's in particular one tendency, and that is that Germany is to a certain degree starting to get left behind on that data journey. Interesting, okay. So when we start talking to colleagues or to, to clients in the Netherlands or the UK, Switzerland and America, of course, mm -hmm. it's a different or a different culture that is oh, by far more acquainted. Yeah. Um, but that's a different cultural background. But in, if you look at Europe, it looks like a circle around Germany and Germany is the white spot if it comes to utilizing their data. Really? That's so surprising, but I can I can understand the overthinking element and that preventing that first step. And that has its good sides too, right? So yeah. German engineering takes some more time, yeah. but also there are good products coming out. There's yeah. solid organizations, long-lasting organizations in in our country. So that also has a good element. But the try and error element is not yet uh, quite accepted. Quite accepted, exactly. Yeah, and sometimes you, you take the wrong path on that journey, yeah. right? You try something and then you find out, oh, this did not work or this was not the answer that I was looking for or it, the algorithm didn't turn out uh, to produce the results and the, um, the quality that we intended. And then you need to start reworking. And this is what we also refer always back to this iterative process. So then the data team provides an answer, provides an insight. Then you need to take a look. Can I make a, a, a decision out of that? Yeah. And if not, then go back and return. It's the same thing with self-learning systems, right? So um, for another client, we were working on a predictive model for residual value of vehicles that are in their fleets. Brilliant. So they buy vehicles, they put those vehicles on the balance sheet, and then they use those vehicles, and there's total cost of ownership in, included, there's damages included, uh, there's insurance premiums included. And then at the end of the cycle of their usage, the vehicle either needs to go over into another use case or being sold on the market, depending on what book value and residual value are saying. And if you and you can start predictive things then with those kind of elements as well, but that's a little bit too techy. What I want to go back with is 
these algorithms, they get better over time. Yeah. So you need, if I do a prediction for six months, I need to wait for six months and then I can use this. Was it really the predicted value or was it off and on? And then you can start adjusting your algorithm. So it refines over the time. And again, that speaks for it's a journey, right? So you start programming it and then it takes some time to train and become better and better after all. I understand. Okay. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. So we talked about obviously not companies maybe not wanting to take that first step or they're overwhelmed by it or they're overwhelmed by it. Can we touch on the importance perhaps now of that collaborative effort? Obviously, companies like yours who are experts in what you do and you can kind of step into a system, but that takes a cultural shift in an organization to kind of accept help rather yes. than want to do it yourself because we, you know, a world where everyone thinks they can manage themselves, we can build our own systems, we can do all this. But that's almost a red flag. That's almost something that will create that overwhelming thought and then they won't proceed. So that collaborative effort must be so important when you work with people to see that shift in mentality. Absolutely. And that's also, when, we, when I mentioned earlier, um, this working on the right question because data doesn't have a a sense or a value by itself. Mm -hmm. It's the insight that can create value if it triggers a better decision. It's the simple chain of how it works. Yeah. So it, just because you have data, you don't have value yet. Value yeah. is can generate potential value, but you, have potential. you need to leverage it. Exactly. So it's like this old analogy of you're sitting on a pot of gold that already belongs to you. Now it's time to make create value. Yeah. That. And so the starting point with the decision makers of talking and discussing, it's very elementary uh, step to take. Okay. Um, on the second side then stays the technical execution. And leaning to what you were just uh, referring to, that requires at some point of time certain competencies. Yeah. So, And if you look at the data world on a high broad spectrum, there's data engineers, there's data analysts, and there's data scientists. Of course, there are some gray zones in between, but to keep it simple, it's yep. like that. And a data scientist is a mathematician, somebody who's thinking correlations in algorithms, how can we train them in artificial intelligence. So that's the advanced level and the advanced end. And it's talking about predictive futures and prescriptive futures, if you even go further. Um, but that typically is not the person that builds you the most efficient and scalable data infrastructure in your basement where you need to connect the pipelines together in the machine room where everything happens. Yeah, the core of it. The core of it. And so on that journey, you will need different skill sets over time for different tasks. And also that is one of the things that we experience quite a lot. Sometimes the wrong people get asked to do a certain job. Yeah, I think And then they are frustrated. They're frustrated. Data scientists, all the interesting statistics, spend 80% of their time cleaning data and fixing pipeline <laughs> issues in the basement. Whilst they are hired for that particular 20%, that creates a lot of frustration mm -hmm. and a lot of um, putting, a, use, putting a, um, a resource onto an issue they don't want to solve or are not equipped to solve. And this is where you need to become inflexible and also work with experts such as ours, or such as we provide. Um, to be on certain elements, you need certain competence yeah. to fix a certain issue. I guess that's the argument for not building a team in-house because you're not going to have the level of resource and skill and, like you said, that talent to go down in that, that bottom basement and build what needs to be built. Yeah. I'm very much a friend on very much believe that every organization should have an in-house data team, okay. most certainly, right? Because it's such a core element of the organization, such a value-creating entity, and that needs to be under control. Every organization 
I'm not a big friend of companies that take data out from companies, okay. create insights and give the information and the insight back. Okay. Because that leaves you as an organization with, okay, now I have an insight, but I don't know how it turned from data into there's a, there's insights. A gap. Yeah. And this gap should always, no, the gap or the knowledge and the know-how in this gap should always be the IP of the organization that owns the data. Okay. But that does not mean that you can't outsource certain tasks at certain point of time. Yeah. Or I have a problem now with a larger algorithm that I want to create. And this is where we also come in, where we then help on the spot, on time to time, or we help building up entire business intelligence competence in-house. Uh, and then we flank, oh, now we need a new connection here, a new API needs to be programmed. And then we can start flanking here until a certain maturity is, uh, is established. That's a really nice and like a mature model for it because you're, you're teaching them, you're building it with them how they want it and then you're teaching them how to get the most out of it how to extract every data point so when it grows year on year it's a long-term sustainable model for that organization absolutely and 100% under the control of the customer yeah under control I think is a big thing because like we see these stats it's scary if, if there's that big of an audience that doesn't know what they're doing you can't just come in and then leave you need to teach them and that long-term partnership with I guess is key for you and your customers is to have that trusted long-term relationship yes That's also why we do not create uh, lock-in factors, which is also what is quite often happening. Yeah. You see that in tools, you see that in partnerships, you see that in other work relations, uh, where you create a lock-in. A lock-in always is getting created if somebody can't leave anymore the system. That's yeah. why it's called lock-in. Um, and we don't believe in that either, because it's always it should always be under the control. The IP should always reside with the client or with the company that owns the data. Yeah, it's their data to start with. And you see that with uh, tools as well, right? So once you have a CRM system and, it, and you start uh, adjusting it to your internal processes, then over time, again, that creates a lock-in and then you sometimes lose control or authority over your data. This is why the central analytical layer comes back into play. And that maybe is what creates the stigma of that original fear in the first place. Yes, exactly. So really, is that partnership is, is a core thing moving forward with how fast it's going to grow. I love that. Kind of as a final note, what would you say to this 41% as kind of a call to action now? If, if they understand that the data is growing, they understand there's a lot of it, but they don't know what to do. What's kind of your like final note, call to action for that audience? I would actually say and come back to that analogy of a journey. Get started, get rolling, and... Uh, Create an environment in which you can play around, in which you can also start creating your first learning curves and fail. So do not overthink it. Do not look at the entire organization in the first place or all the problems that you encounter with data, uh, depending on your maturity. Pick one and get started and start see how it evolves. And then after you get more confident and more... more um, I would say no, it's confidence. Uh, Just after pure confidence. It's yeah. pure confidence. And when you're confident with this isn't going in the right direction, then you can start adding one department, one data challenge, one step at a time. Yeah, I like how you said do one thing, build the process, and then add in. Yes, exactly. So don't overwhelm the system with a mountain of data, build in one at a time. Exactly. And then yeah. your process is built, and I guess that's what, what you guys do, and that's what makes it successful. Yes. Brilliant. I think it's great. It's a great call to action, and I think it's needed because if it's going to grow 30%, like you said, every year, we're capturing more data than ever, especially in automotive um, vehicles, partnerships, servicing, OEMs. Everyone's capturing like crazy right now. 
the focus needs to be on how we're utilizing yes. every single yes. bit of information. Great. Ralph, thank you so much. Uh, a great talk. I'm fascinated by this topic, so I, I really enjoy it. Any final notes before we shut down the episode? No, everything good. Thank you very much for your time, and uh, I hope uh, the audience will find that just as intriguing as the two of us. Absolutely. I can hear their pens and on their pads. <laughs> I can hear it in, in, in the background. That's perfect. Thank you very much. Absolutely fascinating. Some great examples. What a great episode that we are bringing to a close here. I want to thank all of you for listening to this conversation, listening to this podcast. Of course, I hope you took lots of notes while you're listening. Plenty to take away. And I think just like Ralph said, just get that journey started. The data journey is one that everyone needs to go from front to back on in order to maximize potential, maximize that data usage and make strategic decisions off of all of this stuff that's coming in. If you can set up a scalable model of how you're using that, it's only going to help you in the future. So let's give a big thank you, of course, to Ralph and a big congratulations to Datafloss on their Startup of the Year nomination. Fantastic achievement from what they're doing. Fantastic organization. And we were honored to have Ralph represent them today for this podcast. If you have any questions about what you heard on this episode, please don't hesitate to reach out to either myself or Ralph. Just go to the podcast notes below and you'll see LinkedIn links for both myself and Ralph. So please reach out, ask questions, add to the conversation if you want to. We love having those post-podcast conversations. Who knows? Maybe it'll lead to a future episode as well. So with that, we'll bring this episode to a close. Thank you all so very much for joining me today. We'll see you on the next episode of the Auto Tech Show very soon. Bye for now. Oh, 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 oh